What's up everybody, it's your good friend Lukey, and I have started a new YouTube channel. The link is in the description of the show notes. It's Lukey Boxing on YouTube. Decided to go my own different way, still have love for ITR Boxing. It's just something that I'm doing right now. I would love it if I could get your support following me over to this new channel. Today I am going to show you Boxing News Live, which is a every Tuesday day program struggled to say that in which i just break down kind of news and topical events and it's separated into chapters for those that watch on the youtube program i'm going to be back with an ad read and then i'm going to come back and show you more content to hopefully get you inspired to go over and subscribe to the channel okay let's go into the first segment what's up everybody welcome to my new youtube channel this is the lukey boxing channel some might say, why aren't you on ITR? I want to have a little bit more freedom to dance around and interview kind of all different types of people. I've been experimenting with this idea. So now I can do, if I want to do a politician, if I want to interview anyone outside of golf, I can now have a little bit more freedom to not just be as confined to boxing. I can kind of roam around with my interests and I think, honestly, I've built a public platform where if you find what I do interesting, jump on right now and let's build a new community. Do I have an issue with ITR Boxing? Heck no. Those are all my friends. I'm super proud of the success of ITR Boxing. I will still contribute to ITR Boxing. But let's be honest, I'm doing a lot of work with Pro Box TV, which I think is an industry leader in the space of boxing. It's a fantastic channel. And... I don't have the same time to put into ITR Boxing. And look, the staff there from Felix, who runs the site, to Real Ray, all the way to Dakota and Jack, to Nibs. They're making excellent content. And to be honest, I was kind of lying to myself to say I could keep up with what they're doing currently because I'm spread that thin. So what I'm going to do on this channel is going to be a bit of Boxing Reactions, some in-the-gym exclusive content with fighters that people have been asking for. But it's going to be more whatever I want is basically the thing. It's not going to be as much about viewership or uh, gaining the most eyeballs. It's going to be this is simply a passion project for me. And hopefully it makes me love the sport of boxing again because as of late, I've been a little burnt out on the sport of boxing. So this is mostly... A selfish project for me because I want to fall back in love with boxing because I definitely feel over the past couple of years I've fallen out of love with boxing so by going on my own and basically just answering to myself and being able to put out whatever content I want I'm pretty thrilled that being said if you're watching this be sure to go over to the OnlyFans for ITR boxing tons of good work Still going to see some of my videos until the end of the year over there, and it's fantastic. So no hard feelings. This is more so I'm struggling outside of a professional capacity to have a passion for boxing, so this is a way to try to reignite my passion for boxing. I thought I'd address that in the beginning, so anyone that might wonder can now not wonder. And what will this channel look like is the next thing. This channel is going to have one podcast on Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons. It's going to probably be released 
Monday morning, maybe Sunday evening, with one segment broken up in the middle of next week. That's the format, and then whenever I kind of feel like it, I'm going to go to a gym and shoot a video of some capacity, and that's going to be the ongoing thing. This channel is just going to be an extension of my podcast, and my podcast actually might end up moving behind a paywall of my Substack. Leave a comment and let me know how you feel about that. Now, let's get to the actual interesting stuff. Gervonta Davis had a live stream uh, on his Instagram Live, I believe. Like many media outlets, I'm going to make opinions on this without understanding anything, right? That's the journalism 101 thing. The My overwhelming feeling about this situation is it's sad, right? Gervonta Davis has obviously had some highs and lows in his life, and at times things can't be excused, right? There's there's actual consequences for some of his bad decisions, one of which being the hit and run that happened that now sees him serving out the rest of his house arrest sentence um, incarcerated. I think it's unfortunate when a person with his level of celebrity and his position in the sport of boxing faces these type of incidences because not just is it tragic for his story and someone in his circumstance who has overcome so much it's also tough because we are we have an issue with young people in america of doing the wrong things is often deemed cool and you can take with it whatever you want when i say that but it is an ongoing issue of typically kind of being a rebel making bad decisions that's that's how the girls are attracted to you that's often how you get the most viewership so I think it's very tragic that coming off of his biggest pay-per-view fight against Ryan Garcia, a year when he's leading, he's leading the ranks in terms of fighter of the year, in my opinion. I think it's tragic that we're seeing things happen so publicly. This is time for maybe a private transformation, in my opinion. Time for him to reflect. This world we live in, I am now officially old because I don't understand, unless you're a, a commentator like myself, making opinions public, making your life public, but it feels as though part of celebrity is making everything public so the world can look at how many people are interested at every step of your journey. It's what Instagram's taught us, it's what Facebook's taught us, it's what Twitter's taught us, it's probably what TikTok is teaching the youngest kids celebrity is now how can I be looked at and for me it's a tad bit uncomfortable seeing someone in this position facing adversity and the whole step of the process is being put forth on such a public scale I really wish the best for Gervonta because I do believe Gervonta is a good person at the end of the day I think that it's just moments and situations can define our whole lives. And I hope he can learn from this circumstance and situation. And moving forward, he can reap the benefits of what he's earned in this sport. He's become the marquee guy in the sport of the new generation. He's the breadwinner. And I hope his life isn't defined by the stuff outside of the ring. Because his accolades inside the ring are that of a pound-for-pound -pound level fighter and of a guy who's going to carry the sport financially for the next few years.
I, on another, um, I don't want to say silly, but topical note, we had Oscar De La Hoya and Ryan Garcia get into a bickering match. Once again, this is the idea of celebrity to me. Really famous people, let me be a famous person. And let me talk about what's going on in my life in front of people. So this is going to be topical news. I'm a bit old-fashioned. I like the idea of just sitting down and talking with people. Both of these people are really rich. They're really famous. I understand if you get frustrated, you can just put it on a platform. I just it It's just something that's different for me. I'm not going to lie. It's just something that's different. And I'm not the biggest fan of how this went about. That being said, once again, Ryan Garcia, one of the most interesting fighters in the sport of boxing. Oscar De La Hoya, one of the best promoters in the sport of boxing. A very rejuvenated Oscar De La Hoya who seems to have a commitment to make the best fights. I hope moving forward we can see the best fights made from Oscar working with Ryan. And I hope that they can put this this moment of online stuff behind them because Really, this is a business, and business should mean never be handled on a public platform. It really shouldn't even be handled on a phone. Business needs to be handled in person, and I hope that this conversation leads to a difficult conversation in person that leads to the outcome that we all want as fight fans. This weekend, we are seeing Teofimo Lopez take on Josh Taylor. I think you're supposed to say it backwards, but I didn't. It's for the junior welterweight title. If you want to say it's for the linear, lineal, linear, lineal, uh, 140 pound title. Josh Taylor actually won the undisputed crown from Jose Ramirez in 2021. Since that fight has been largely inactive, had a sketchy split decision win. A lot of people thought Catterall won. I kind of felt like Taylor edged it. I think it's kind of in that Lomachenko. Uh, Devin Haney range where you could kind of pick any outcome. I think that people so greatly underestimated Catterall that they viewed the fight as a stay-busy fight and really condemned uh, Taylor for the performance. Taylor's kind of had a lot of injuries, which is kind of a silent thing that we haven't brought up coming into this fight. He's had injuries with his leg. I'm not sure how healthy it is. The injuries postponed his rematch with Catterall. The rematch ended up getting scratched. Catterall signs with Matchroom. Now Taylor is fighting Teofimo Lopez. It's in the theater. It's not in the big building at Madison Square Garden. And I think that speaks to also where both fighters are at. Teofimo Lopez, this is going to be his fourth fight at 140 pounds. Many people forget as a prospect, he had a fight at 140 pounds. He's had two fights since um, losing to George Cambosis in the Undisputed Crown, which opened up the spot for Devin Haney to win Undisputed. Uh, it's been a weird ride for Teofimo Lopez. The question of this fight to me is Teofimo Lopez is showing a lot of mental fatigue right now. He's going through a divorce. He's talking about a lot of things in his personal life. He's the younger, in theory, fresher fighter. Typically in these fights, the younger fighter wins. Taylor is the older guy. I do think he's a little bit shopworn. He's probably not at his prime. He's probably coming down. That being said, this is not an easy fight to pick because of what's going on in Teofimo's life and because Teofimo's performances have not really looked that amazing since the Lomachenko and Comey fight. He's kind of been up and down the Campa fight, really wasn't that spectacular. And the Sandor Martin really was a lot more competitive than I feel it should have been. So 
this is the rare fight where you have two fighters at two different age groups kind of vying to be a relevant contender world champion in the sport because the loser of this fight is going to probably enter into the undesirable spot of a high-level B-side opponent. A lot on the line, very interesting matchup. Undercard notables, we got a Xander Zayas fight. Love seeing Xander Zayas. It's his first Puerto Rican Day Parade fight, which I think is notable because he's probably going to be fighting on this date for a long time in the future. Also, Hobson Kotsikow is taking on Nelson Polanco. That's a guy who fought Oscar Alvarez. If you look on the card, Henry LeBron is there. Maybe they end up matching Hobson Kotsikow with Henry LeBron in the near future. There's also a Bruce Carrington sighting on the card. We love seeing a Bruce Carrington sighting. That's ESPN on Saturday. We have a Golden Boy card with Gucci Manny Flores and Jelena, I can't pronounce her last name, on Thursday. That's on YouTube and DAZN. Not going to really go too deep into that. Another notable fight, Jaime Munguia versus Sergei Dervianchenko. Dervianchenko, kind of like a Matt Korobov fighter where a lot of guys feel like he's he might have won a fight that he didn't get the the decision on he had a close fight with daniel jacobs he had a close fight with gennady golovkin people kind of parrot that he beat golovkin i think that's another one of these fights where people didn't expect him to do as well he does well and then people say okay he should have won uh Munguia is a guy five years ago he has a win over liam smith like my man jack kelly said on the expert hour on itr boxing that being said he's almost moved back to a level of prospect um, opposition over the past few years. This is his first step up uh, to this degree. Dervianchenko is pretty much a career middleweight moving to super middleweight. One would assume Jaime Munguia has all the physical advantages and gifts in this fight. We really want to see uh, Jaime Munguia step his game up because this is really supposed to be Jaime Munguia's era. Jaime really should have that win over or he should be the best middleweight in the world at this point. It looks like he's outgrown middleweight. He has one world-class win, but at this point, I think we're looking for separation because, yes, Dervianchenko doesn't fight at this weight class. He's not a natural guy, but this is a move in the right direction. He's really kind of regressed in terms of his opposition, and I personally believe in his talent. I think he's a, a guy who could be one of the top young emerging faces, it's going to be interesting how he performs, but I think it's also if Munguia can win, what are the dialogues coming out of this week? I think one of the dialogues will be, will he be in the running to land a Canelo Alvarez fight? If you look at Abraham Gonzalez's report on Pro Box TV, David Benavidez's father, Jose Benavidez Sr., called out, yes, he called out. Jaime Munguia is their top choice if they don't get Canelo Alvarez. Very interesting times for Jaime Munguia and a sneaky, if he can win a couple of fights this year, sneaky in the shadows fighter of the year, possible nominee. Big week for Jaime Munguia. Also on that card, Shane Mosley Jr. taking on Demetrius Big Meech Ballard. Uh, very, very interesting fight to me because I thought Shane Mosley Jr. was a super middleweight. He had competed his last two fights at super middleweight. He's actually moved back down to middleweight. And it appears Big Meech Ballard, former Golden Boy fighter, I thought that it's an uh, an interesting comparison fight between Jaime Munguia who'd fought Ballard. I thought this was going to be a no-brainer layup. Oh, he's going to end up fighting um, 
he's going to end up fighting Mungia in the fall because we've we've been frustrated with the opposition Mungia has been fighting. He's been fighting guys that we kind of feel he has every physical advantage over. And no disrespect to Shane Mosley, but Shane Mosley's not really a natural super middleweight, and he's kind of struggled to get a world title shot, but he's a really friggin' tough guy. He's a, a guy that if a path opens up, I truly believe he can win a world title. He just has kind of struggled against those elite fighters of his era and kind of had a hard road to get to where he's going. And I think also being the son of a legendary boxer, a Hall of Fame boxer, hasn't really helped him because he's always compared to his father as opposed to being a top 15, top 20 guy of his era, which is really respectable. But I think that it was top three or bust, which is unfair, but that's the scrutiny you get when you're last name he seems to be in an article i have coming out on friday on proboxtv.com slash news go there uh he's targeting michael zarafa and there's rumors that it's august 5th is when he's going to be doing that so that's something that i think is very interesting is that he's targeting zarafa and i'm very very curious to see what type of performance mosley can put together for this fight card if you're a fan of the zone on saturday it's the all-day marathon we got a Sonny Edwards sighting in your life. Sonny Edwards is taking on Compost. Fairly good fight, you know. Um, I think Sonny Edwards might be a guy in this division. He's built a huge following on social media and Twitter platforms. And I think the biggest thing about Sonny Edwards is he's organically getting a lot of traction in a weight class that doesn't get a lot of traction. We got Jesse Bam Rodriguez. And we got Martinez fighting in that division. I think that if Edwards can win this fight, it would be great to see him go into that Julio Cesar Martinez fight. And then if we could get him in the ring with Bam in 2024, that is a legitimate super fight. So I'm no pressure and no offense to my guy, Tony Tolge. Um, I'm expecting greatness out of Sonny Edwards because that's what he's kind of putting on himself He's being a larger-than-life character. He's conducting himself like a big man in the lower weight classes. And I'm excited to see how he performs on this bigger platform, this easily accessible platform, because a lot of his fights have been on streaming, navigating websites. This is the first time he's fighting kind of, for me, on an easy platform to find over the last couple of years. Another notable is Adrian Broner is taking on Bill Hutchinson. Uh I guess I, before I go into that, Ella Scottney is fighting this weekend. Um, that's a notable fight. It's a good matchroom card. I think on the on the recap show, we'll go more extensively on these type of previews where I'm just sitting here. This is my first one. I'm probably going to type up notes next time. Uh, Broner's fighting Bill Hutchinson. And this is a fight that can only be summed up as where has Broner's career gone? Because Adrian Broner at this point in his career probably should be right around his prime or coming off of his prime and be a huge main event attraction. Instead, he's fighting on no disrespect, a Don King pay-per-view on the internet that probably couldn't get a network to bite on this fight. And it's a tale of, Oh, how the mighty have fallen I think it's been about six years since we've seen Broner in any type of fight that looked like the Broner we fell in love with, the DeMarco fight. Off the top of my head, the last time I 
saw a world-class version of Broner, I believe, was when he fought John Molina Jr. Adrian Broner is a very tragic story because it seems like there's a lot of depression and sadness with Broner and that the fight career, that fighting might not have, it gave him a means to make a lot of money and become a celebrity, but with that celebrity, there wasn't really people or he was not listening to those people to stop the adversities that he had to live through. And it feels like when he gets to his 40s and 50s, Broner's going to be living a life of regret, looking back on his past going, why did I do this? Why did I do that? I hate to say this, but at this point, given his last performance fighting Giovanni Santiago, a fighter I had never seen before, and a lot of people scored the fight for Santiago, I honestly didn't even really care that much. I didn't involve myself that much. But I think that you have to think that this is going to be a, even though you've never heard of Bill Hutchinson, this is going to be a real fight for Broner because he's not giving us those, he's not quieting the demons or the fears we have about where his career is currently at. And I think that that is a shame because Broner is a fighter who I think is at a point in his career where he's opened up about mental health. And I think that even though people have been critical on him being being outlandish earlier in his career, I think people would like to see a redemption arc. I think people would like to see a last chapter, Miguel Cotto find a coach and have a little run. I think that everyone loves to see the redemption story. And no disrespect to Bill Hutchinson, because I have a feeling this is going to be a very hard fight. But I think it's hard to not want to see Broner do that. We have a Showbox card this weekend. If you like Showbox, that's on Showtime. We also have a 360 boxing promotion card. And we have a few other fights that I'm not mentioning. That if you go to my Substack, lukeyboxing.substack.com, link in the bio, you can get all the info. Let me know how you like this segment and if this is something I should continue to help grow my little nuance channel. Thank you. Okay, well, be sure to subscribe to ProBoxTV.com. You can read my articles at ProBoxTV.com news. Tons of great stuff. And every two weeks you get a fist fight and they're really, really good. This upcoming week, we got Saul Sanchez versus Franklin Gonzalez. That is one you don't want to miss. That's a slobber knocker if I've ever seen one on paper. I'm excited. You should be excited too. Also, I have a newsletter. Get the news sent straight to your email. If you're not into kind of the content of people just talking and saying stuff, go to the newsletter. It'll come directly to you. There is a paywall if you want to support me directly. I try my best to make it a value-laden purchase. Some weeks I get really, really tired, so I really appreciate it if you are a subscriber. I try to make it a good value, but if it doesn't seem that way, reach out to me and I'll try even harder. This next segment is a reaction I had today to Josh Taylor, Teofimo Lopez, the press conference. This is the type of content you're going to get on my YouTube channel, and I think I'm going to integrate it also into my newsletter as well for those that want to see that. So I'm going to put that in right now. Okay, everybody. It's your good friend, Lukey. I got a new channel, a lot of talking head content. 
Be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, like the video if you find it informative, and leave a comment if you have something nasty to say. Yep, I said it just like that. Let's get into what I'm talking about in this video, which is a reaction to the Teofimo Lopez-Josh Taylor press conference. The fight will be taking place June 10th in New York City, New York at the theater at Madison Square Garden. It's going to be televised on ESPN at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and all that jazz. Why are we making a reaction video to something as mundane as a press conference? Though, as I mature in my sports watching and my boxing journalism career, press conferences become my time to shine to offer insight. But this press conference was unique in a lot of ways, one of which being Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor has always been a really nice guy. I've always really liked Josh Taylor, even though I've never had any interactions with him. But typically fight week, he starts to get irritable towards uh, the weigh-in, and he typically is on edge going in, as we saw with Jose Ramirez, as we saw with a bit of Regis Progre. And what has really stood out to me all fight week for this week is Taylor is really, really content in life. He seems very happy, well-adjusted. And though I'm really happy that he's in that place, because that's a place I think we all strive for for individuals, it is an outlier. I don't know how to judge where he is at personally in his life based upon previous performances. So though his well-being and happiness being in a great place, I am a bit concerned based on that. That being said, he's still the lineal junior welterweight champion, even though he lost three of his four titles off the top of my head. Now WBC junior welterweight champion is Regis Progre. The IBF is Sabril Matisse. And the WBA is Rolando Romero after Albert Pueyo tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug, and now is the WBA junior welterweight champion in recess. Taylor is a fighter where we really don't know what to expect. Since getting one of the biggest wins of his career over Jose Ramirez, we haven't seen him fight. We haven't seen him. We've seen him fight Catterall once, and I think that everyone greatly underestimated Catterall so we look at that performance and we don't properly evaluate it that being said my fear with kind of his mindset and where he is currently is is Taylor he's had a lot of hard fights is he coming down from the hill right because he took a lot of fights very quickly to get himself moved up in the rankings to have that historic run from 2018 to really 2021 and become the face of the junior welterweight division. He basically went through a college uh, calendar to get a graduation, uh, to get a degree, and became the best 140-pounder. Since that achievement, we haven't seen the same Taylor. He's also been inactive because of injuries. I'm not sure if it's that he's happy to be back or if there's something else, but that's something I've taken note of. More concerning to me is Teofimo Lopez. In real time, which is the shoulder program being provided by Top Rank on their YouTube channel, which we've given a link in the description as well. So if you want to go check that out, you can check it out. On the Tuesday of Fight Week, Teofimo Lopez opted to not have the Top Rank cameras follow him. I understand that position, but it also feels as though 
given some of the verbiage Teofimo was saying in this, I interpreted some of this press conference from Teofimo's standpoint as a farewell. I can't tell if that's a farewell from boxing, a farewell from top rank, or a farewell of a previous self as he transitions maybe into the man that Teofimo Lopez is becoming because it seems like there's a lot of outside things. I entered this press conference to kind of see a back and forth exchange between these two fighters. Anticipation, potty mouth, tongue tussling. What I left was actually kind of concern. I left with a feeling that Josh Taylor is in a great place outside of the sport of boxing, but I don't know where Josh Taylor is at currently in the sport of boxing. For Teofimo Lopez, I left with concern with where he is outside of boxing, and I have no clue where his mental state will take him in the sport of boxing. Boxing is one of these things where you could have all the troubles outside of the ring and channel those troubles into a tremendous performance, or it could be a really, really bad performance. I think that what's hard is we can obviously see signs that Teofimo Lopez is going through a lot of things outside of the ring. There's a lot of stresses, and when he gave some of his answers at the press conference, I understand that he's trying to be very sincere and honest with the people, but I think that another thing that kind of scared me or was troublesome to me was Teofimo Lopez feels like he has a lot of weight on his shoulders and a lot of pressure for a young person to, to deal with. And he's trying to be a celebrity and an entertainer and an icon in the sport while balancing trying to figure out who he's going to be for the next 30 or 40 years. That's a very difficult thing. And I think a lot of people in this platform and in this space often forget how difficult it is being a young person. I think that Teofimo's had to go through an extreme amount of stuff in a short period of time. He shot up like a rocket when he beat Vasily Lomachenko. And then there's just been turmoil after turmoil after turmoil from 2021 onward. We're now on year two-ish of this, possibly two and a half years. And this is really the first major event he has done with top rank. He's done two prior, one with Sandro Martin and one with Pedro Campa. But that was largely, it's the Teofimo Lopez show, and here's an opponent coming in to fight him. This is clearly Teofimo Lopez is the challenger for a world title. And I left a bit perplexed when his big takeaway was a line that said, "Choose aim for death. Because that's where life begins. And that was the big quote that he wanted to take. And I think that's a morbid quote that kind of gives you an entry point on the thinking of Teofimo Lopez. Where he's at right now. And I I don't think that's a good place. I think that without disclosing too much of having filmed Teofimo maybe five to six years ago. I don't really have a relationship with Teofimo anymore. Though I deeply respect him and his father. They've always been good to me. I think that one of the things that people don't think about is Teofimo is a very genuine person and a good person. And that though fighters don't want to say this, I think it's true and I think it's important to bring it bring it out and share it with people. He hears the criticisms. And I think the criticisms at time weigh on him. And to me, this felt like 
the business of boxing has really weighed on Teofimo Lopez. It, in conclusion, why I'm making this video, is you have two people at two different points in their career, but it might end up historically being the same point in their career. We have Taylor who's gone through the ringer and seems to be pretty content with his boxing career. He views himself as a Hall of Famer. He views himself as one of the greatest fighters. And he, from my impression was, he's looking to add to his legacy. And he's very, very comfortable with his standing in the sport. Then we have Teofimo Lopez, who I think came into the sport wide-eyed, eager to be the star attraction, and didn't fully understand everything that came with the spectacle that he brought on himself, with the exciting performances, with the charisma, with his outlandish behavior. And I think what we're seeing is two and a half years later, almost three years later, the wear and the strain on Teofimo Lopez from everything that he brought on himself, good and bad, this is what business can do to you. If you want to be the vibrant superstar, these are some of the stresses you incur. Now I'm going to go to the final thing, prediction of the fight. This is the very rare fight where I have no idea how this fight plays out. I could see Teofimo Lopez doing what sensational fighters doing, do and have a, a performance that everyone goes, where was this guy for all these times? I could see Taylor doing that. I don't see any form of advantage. I see two fighters who are in distinctly different places, who when you put them in the same room in boxing, typically that's where you get the magic. That's where you get the fan engagement. That's where you get the excitement when you put two fighters in the room together. What I really see is two fighters in two different places who don't really enjoy being around the other fighter and they don't really have any type of chemistry to make the fight compelling outside of it being a fight. And I think the biggest takeaway for me was I was excited to watch this press conference and it was strangely boring. And I think that that was kind of bizarre because in the buildup, we've seen the tension between the two and this was rather respectful and muted. So that's my take on this. I felt that this opinion was something that really just stood out to me. So I wanted to put this out there on my channel to try to grow the channel. As always, if you're helping me build from the ground up, really appreciate it. You know, this is, we're doing it all over again. And sometimes you have to think like this. It's not about what could have been or being sad about the past. It's about being happy that it actually happened. So anybody that's growing with me, anybody that's tuning in, thank you for doing that. And let's just take it one step forward because every journey starts with one step. And that's all we're doing over here. I'm sharing my insights. I do apologize if this offends any of the fighters, but these are just my honest thoughts. This is completely just body language, uh, boxing journalist, just going off of what I'm seeing to try to give you, the fight fan, a better perspective entering into one of the most exciting fights as we start to enter into summer. Enjoyed this show? Well, be sure to leave a five-star review for this. And also, if you want to support me, 
go over and subscribe to my new YouTube. Not really concerned about the numbers. I'm concerned about people that really enjoy the content, jumping over and being a part. Let's build something from the ground up. This is an exciting journey, and I hope to see you over there.